Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. I'm excited today. We're going to continue the classics. Here's what we're going to do this year. I've never done this before. I think it was 2012 that we began doing the classics. And they're Bible stories, right? Stuff you've heard. Some of you are like, I've never heard that one. Some are more obscure than others. We started the classics, I think, in February of 2012. But um, we, it's been every February since. So this year, though, I'm going to extend it into March. I feel like it's been a blessing for me and for you. So I'm going to go another month with the classics, but don't worry. There's some interesting stuff in here, all right? So the title of today's message is The Right Thing. Anybody ever seen the Bourne movies? The first movie was called The Bourne Identity. And uh, Jason Bourne is with this young lady. They're escaping. I don't even remember the details of that scene, but he said, I just want to do the right thing. And she said, nobody does the right thing. And that just stayed in my memory because I know that's not true. I know many of you have done the right thing. We've done some wrong things, haven't we? But I know it's on your heart. I mean, here you are. You're on the live stream today or you're in person because you want to do the right thing by God, okay? I know you do. So let's go to Genesis chapter 24. It's an outstanding story about a powerful dude, man. He's not mentioned much. I don't know if I've ever heard a full sermon on this guy. I know they're out there. Um, we believe chapter ch- uh, 24 of Genesis is about Eliezer of Damascus. He's not mentioned by name in this chapter, but in Genesis chapter 15, he's mentioned by name as the sole possible heir of Abraham's fortune. All right? So think about it. This is the guy who's going to inherit all of Abraham's wealth. And how many of you know Abraham was not poor? Right? You read your Bibles? He was wealthy. All right? I don't know his modern equivalent wealth, but he had servants. Scripture says that he had 318 trained men born in his household. He had a small army born in his household. Um, Theologians and historians tell us that many times some of these patriarchs and matriarchs, they had community groups that would move through the desert or, or camp in certain places or they lived in certain areas. And they were up to two, three, maybe more than 3,000 people at one time. They were small cities. Okay? So Abraham was wealthy, and Eliezer of Damascus was his oldest servant. He was a a chief servant, and he was going to inherit all of Abraham's wealth. And how many of you know that if we're talking about Eliezer of Damascus in Genesis 24, although he's not mentioned by name, he knew what he stood to inherit, didn't he? But then Isaac was born. A lot of folks would have got mad about that. A lot of folks would have said, I quit. A lot of folks would have said, I deserve that. But I'm going to talk to you about a man of of powerful, powerful character today, okay? Let's start with Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. And I'm going to read about halfway. This is a large text today, but I'm going to read about halfway. We'll take a break and talk about it, and then I'll read the rest of the way. I've noticed this time during the classics, and maybe you have too, that sometimes reading the text is just best. I've looked for little Bible stories to be able to sum it up for you a little better, but A lot of the stories I'm doing aren't even told in a lot of the Bible story books, so check this out. Abraham was now a very old man, right? And the Lord had blessed him in every way. Someone say, praise God, in every way. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, we believe it was Eliezer of Damascus, the oldest servant, the guy who was supposed to inherit everything, but Isaac was born, the man in charge of his household. He said, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. 
Don't do that. That'll be weird if you gave someone a promise and put your hand under their thigh. I don't know which part of the thigh, but that must have been an ancient tradition. Under the leg or something, I don't know. Take an oath. I mean, your word better be good enough. Don't be putting your hand under my thigh, right? That was a long time ago. So he says, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. (laughs) Do what you want with that. Next verse. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. You know, back in the day they married cousins and all that. So they were going back, going back to his family, all right? You know, Abraham was married to his half-sister. So interesting, interesting stories from ancient times, okay? We don't understand all of it, but it is what it is. Scripture talks about it. The servant asked, look, right away, we know he's a good servant, right? He starts clarifying. Someone say in here, clarify. Say, say it again. Say, clarify. I've, I've done that with dad over the years. My dad is a visionary, but he's not detailed. There's times he's told me stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what you just said, man of God. What do you mean? And I ask questions, and I ask questions. And he's always been gracious to say, here's what I mean exactly. Here's how I want it done. So the servant asked, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? Look at Abraham's answer. All right. Did we skip one or no? I feel like we did. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6. It might have just glitched and done that. Don't worry. We got some of the best screens, folks, in the world. So 24 verse 6. Look at this. No. Someone say no. No is a powerful word. It sets up boundaries. It draws lines. It shows where you need to be. It shows where you don't need to be. No, Abraham responded. Be careful. (laughs) Look at what he said. Be careful never to take my son there. What you just said, no, don't do that. Be careful never to take my son there, over there with my relatives. Some of y'all know. You left the relatives, you don't want to go back. You don't need to be living up amongst them. Some of y'all need to hear the word of the Lord today. Some of you say, man, yeah, but they're my family. Yeah, we're thick as thieves. I know, I know, but you better get out of there. Because all y'all do is fight, and they drink beer, and they're trying to mislead you. Love your family. Honor your family. Be a light to your family. But you don't always have to live amongst them, okay? For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, he solemnly promised to give this land to whom? My descendants. This land where I am, he said, this land is for me and my descendants. He will what? He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. Next verse. I think it's hitching on that verse 7, isn't it? There's something going on with that. Let's look at verse 8. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. He said it twice, didn't he? If if the man or woman of God says it once, you need to listen, right? If they say it twice... You better really be listening, all right? You need to let your ears hang out a little bit like mine so they can catch all the signals. Say, okay, you said it twice. You're serious. He said, don't, if she don't want to come, that's fine, but, you know, let's move on. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham. (laughs) He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Verse 10, then he loaded 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master, and he traveled to distant Aram Naharaim. That's a, that's a name, right? There he went to the town where what? 
where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. Verse 11. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. Have you guys ever, anyone in here ever ridden a camel? Jin has. Anyone else? You've ridden a camel. Where did y'all ride camels at? Where did you ride a camel? In Dubai. Cool. Where did you ride a camel, Miguel? In Texas. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in Texas, so love that answer, man. Hey, if it ain't in Texas, you probably don't need it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Walmart. Or is it Dollar General now? I don't know. So that's cool. There's been some other folks in this church that rode a camel as well. I don't think they're here today. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed. Please look, look at the honor and respect here. He, now he's praying to the God of Abraham. Abraham's influence is carrying over into the servants, into the people around him. Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham. He's praying to our God. Please give me success today. Look at his honor. He was supposed to inherit everything, but here's how he prayed. And show unfailing love to my master Abraham. It's crazy because you read this story and it's not even really about Isaac. It's about the love relationship between the oldest servant and Abraham. He's honoring Isaac, obviously, but it's all about his relationship with his authority. I remember I first became a pastor in 2000. And I, I grew up seeing this. You know, <clears throat> I'm a pastor's kid. I remember people giving me a hard time and some Jonathan and Lane sometimes. None of y'all. All right. But people giving us a hard time as pastor's kids. And my mom, they gave her a hard time sometimes. But then they'd see dad and they'd really honor him to his face. You spell that with four letters, it's called fake. Jesus said, if you dishonor me, you dishonor the one who sent me. There were times people treated me like garbage, but then they would go to my dad and go, pastor, anything you want. Well, that's, something's off, right? Well, this is powerful, though, because this servant... He's honoring Isaac by honoring his true authority at that time, who was Abraham, because Abraham was still alive. And he wasn't dumb either, right? He knows that Isaac's going to take over. He better act right, right? Anyway, he said, See, I'm, at, I'm standing here beside this spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. Fascinating story. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. A unique request. Let her be the one you have selected. We're going to stay on this verse for a while while we discuss. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. So he says, God of my master, you can see this. The women of the town are coming out to draw water and stuff for the camels and everything else. Let the one that is supposed to be Isaac's wife offer me and my camels water. Now, we know that according to the New Testament, we are to be led by the Spirit of God, not signs. Are you all with me? Signs are going to happen. As you're led by the Spirit of God, God's going to work it out. Okay? And there's, there's simple prayers we pray sometimes. Is Lord, Lord, if this is your will, then go ahead and let it work out. If not, show me along the way, because that's all we know to do, right? But this is a powerful story. So we see that this guy has traveled very far to honor his master Abraham and Abraham's son, the son of promise, Isaac, the one whose name meant laughter. You remember that? Laughter. Why? Because everyone who would hear that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman had a son. 
that make folks laugh. Wow, they laugh for joy and they laugh because they can't believe it. But this guy says, look, this is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Like Paul Harvey used to say, and now for the rest of the story. Go to verse 15. Some of you are way too young to know about that. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. We're not going to get into the genealogy. That probably sounds confusing right now, but you can look at that later. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Now look, even though he prayed to God, he took steps. Did y'all catch that? He prayed, but he took steps of faith. He didn't just pray and go, Well, Lord, just do what you do, because you're God. It's not that we're helping God. God is helping us to take steps in moving forward and showing our faith. Are you with me? Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. And that's all he said. Yes, my Lord, she answered, have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. I bet that was good water out in that desert. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels, too, until they have had enough to drink. Do you all know how much camels drink? You should look into that sometime. She didn't just offer up some fake act of service like she was ready to work. Drawing water for camels. They can go a long time without water. You know why? Because they can drink a lot of water. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. I'm sure there were lots of trips involved in that. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose. That's interesting, right? And two large gold bracelets for her wrists. Whose daughter are you, he asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low right then and began to worship God. Right in front of her, he didn't care. He said, wow, this God is powerful and he hears me. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Verse 28, and here's where I'm going to end the story. There's, there's a lot more. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. And if you know your Bible even just a little bit, you'll know that Rebecca went home with him and married Isaac. And on the way home, when they're arriving, I found this fascinating. At a distance, she saw Isaac. And she asked Eliezer, we think it was Eliezer, she said, who's that man? And he said, he said, that's Isaac, basically. I don't remember exactly how he said it. She was already asking about him. Why? Because God had placed it in her heart to be with him. Fascinating story. Very fascinating. So I want to get into something now. And I want to talk to you about some of the attributes I noticed of this servant. Many times we think, oh, a servant, well, that's not a very high estate. That's not very powerful. You'd be surprised. Servants are gatekeepers. Servants are doorkeepers. I remember when I was serving back in the day, and, uh, and God's spoken to me about over the, over the years about different things, you know, concerning this, and taught me to be wise and forgiving and loving, but there were times when I would go to pick up men or women of God, or even band members, you know, Christian groups that would come, and, and 
and do music here. There were times I didn't tell them I was the pastor's son just to see how they'd act, and it was amazing. There were some times that people were, they didn't care who I was. They were just cool, good people, well-known too, well-known around the world, and they were just kind. And there were others I never told them who I was, and they treated me like trash. (laughs) But how many of you know it always goes back to the heart? It goes back to the heart. Scripture says, be careful how you treat people, basically, because some have entertained angels unaware. Be kind to everybody. Treat everybody like they're, like they're Jesus, man. Just honor them. Just love them. Treat everybody like they're a messenger from God. All right? That's the right thing. How many of you know, though, that servants have power? There's those, those, those that have gone and say, man, they're just a regular worker. They're just on the front lines. They're just, they're just. Yeah, but they may not let you see the boss if you don't act right. I've seen people make life real difficult for other people just because they they weren't shown respect. So this was the right thing. And this man, it turns out this guy, I don't know any other details about him, but he behaved like a man of God. And the first attribute I noticed in Eliezer's life, if it was indeed him, is that he exhibited wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Scripture says wisdom crieth out in the streets. What does that mean to you? Well, here's what it means to me. When wisdom cries out in the streets, that means it's for everybody. Someone say wisdom is for everybody. So why doesn't everybody have wisdom? Because they don't care. They don't care. I had a friend. He was from Philadelphia. That was one of his favorite things to say. He's like, he don't care. He don't care. I'm like, did he just come through here and do that? Or did he burp or whatever? He's like, he don't care. You ever just met people? They just don't care. They don't care. You should care, though. Wisdom, Scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It mentions that in Job, Psalms, and Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Wisdom compels us to want to do the right thing. The right thing. Someone say the right thing. Yeah, this guy feared God, so he knew how to treat his boss. And Abraham was more than his boss. We don't know if Eliezer was born into Abraham's family of servants in his community we don't know but abraham was like a father to him and he treated him as such i think march not march i think april march we're going to be talking about the classics some more i think april we're going to talk about the lost art of honoring people and showing honor and respect maybe you heard your grandparents back in the day say kids don't know how to show respect these days oh man it's it's true i've seen people they do not know how to show respect you go to the store and say hey man how's it going i've talked to guys and i'm in my 40s now so now i do care i show up i say hey man how are you doing today sir what's up i get that at stores sometime and i'm like what's up where's your boss you know what's up i say hey man thank you for your great service today yeah I never knew what that meant. They started doing that. I remember noticing that in high school. Hey, man, nice shot. Yeah. Hey, that's a nice shirt. Yeah. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Rephrase that, right? Lack of respect because there's no wisdom. There's no fear of God. Say, man, I had a bad experience with a cop. I had a bad experience with a human. Not all humans are weird. There's lots of, for every tough cop or bad cop, there's a hundred great cops. See, I had a bad experience at Walmart with one of those workers. I, I don't know, man. 
for every bad experience you have, there's great folks. There's funky pastors. There's funky believers. There's funky Christians. Maybe you were a funky Christian at one point. I know you're not now. Funky just means you have rhythm, right? Anyway. So wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You fear God as the beginning of wisdom. And this guy knew what to do. It was wise to do what he was doing. He was called to do it. Now let me say this real quick. Somebody told me this. My driver in Augusta, Georgia, just a couple of days ago, <laughs> turned out he was a man of God. And he spoke something great into my life. It's something Dad's taught me. But it, it just really fell deep into me. This guy said, you know, you know what makes life easier as a pastor, as a minister? I said, what's that? He said, number one, you're calling. You can't do nothing about that. God called you to do something. That's for all of us, right? This is, this is for everybody. This isn't just for ministers and pastors. God called you to do something, right? So we see this guy was called to be Abraham's servant. Do y'all see that? Y'all still with me? But what made his life better was he understood his assignment within his calling. My Lyft driver told me that the other day and then gave me a big hug. <laughs> I said, man, what a, what a simple, simple. He said, man, that's so simple. Yeah, but a lot of people don't do it. They don't realize that their life would be better, easier, more exciting, more dynamic, more fulfilling, more full of peace and joy and gladness and delight if they would just give in to their calling and then find their exact assignment. My assignment, I'm going to tell you right now, my assignment is to not become a gospel hip-hop artist. It's not. My assignment is not to sing. Just like folks that we have up here singing, their assignment's not, not to preach right now. Their assignment is to lead worship and worship, right? My assignment is not to sing. You'd, many of you would go, man, if Pastor Matt's doing a special every Sunday, we'll make sure we come after his special. Or some of you would just be like, I'll just watch this from home so I can mute him. I'm called to be a man of God. You're called to be men and women of God, but we have different assignments. We have a calling, and then there's an assignment within your calling. This servant figured out, I don't know how he knew is because he had wisdom and he feared God, so he honored his master. He figured out, I'm called to be Abraham's servant, and my assignment right now is to get a, a wife for his son. Powerful. Point two today. After wisdom, wisdom starts all of it. Because you're just not going to act right. You're not going to do right. You ain't going to do the right thing if you're not operating in God's wisdom. Number two, honor and respect. Honor and respect. Now, this goes for any authority in your life. Parents, pastors, teachers, evangelists, any kind of authority. A boss, the aged. How about the weaker? I've seen those who say, and maybe you've said this before, and you're going to feel convicted, right? Say, man, you've got to earn my respect. What does that mean? This ain't the mafia. You know too much, you know. Blood in, blood out, Holmes. You got to earn my respect. Really? What about all the respect you failed to earn? Just makes me think. Did you know I always take it back to me? Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I always go back to me. I go, how do I want to be treated? How would Jesus act in this situation? Sometimes I know how Jesus would act, and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm weak. But I do know this, Scripture says, Jesus himself said this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I give respect. No, and I've been to some people, I'm telling you, at stores and different stuff, I, I don't stop giving respect just because someone is disrespectful. I may stop talking to them. 
I may go, oh, okay, thank you. Have a good day. And I go ask somebody else. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Y'all got any toilet paper? It's over there. I mean, everything we have is over there. My over where? I can't find. Ask my wife. I can't find anything. I need you to go hold my hand and take me over there. You know? Honor your parents. Say, oh, no, they're older now, and they're, you know, they're in their 80s or 90s, and they're a little senile. They don't even recognize me. You keep honoring them. Did you know that is the commandment with a promise? Honor your father and your mother so that you will live long upon the earth. I'm planning on being here a while until Jesus comes. That's, that's going to be the heart of the matter for you too, I know. So I honor my parents. They say, Mom's in heaven. Yeah, but I, I even honor her memory. There are those who disrespect their parents, and they've been in the grave for 20 years. They talk bad about them. Mm-mm. Why did it get so quiet in here? Okay, let's just keep going on. Romans 12.10 says this. Fear not. Back on the screens. It's not in your list. I'll read it. New Living Translation says this. Love each other with genuine love or affection and take delight in honoring each other. One translation, the English Standard Version says, it actually says this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, you know how humans are. You know the whole fake it till you make it thing? That works sometimes, but sometimes after a while it's just fake and you're not, still not making it. And nobody likes fake stuff. You know, they show up at your house and you're going, oh, welcome to my home. You know, some weird thing, they're going to know. Don't be weird, man. Just honor people. How do you honor people? Let me make it simple because I need it simple for me to remember. Check this out. This is how I've always remembered honor is treat people kindly. Treat them with love. That's how you show respect. Treat them like you want to be treated. That's, there's nothing deep in that. I treat people how I want to be treated. Some of you are like, man, I want to be treated like trash. Well, go ahead. There's your answer. Treat, you know. I, but I doubt it. I doubt it. And I, I've gone to people before. I remember I, I used to go to juvenile detention facility, county jail. And everybody's talking about they disrespected me. They disrespected me. And I'm like, you're the most disrespectful person I've ever met. And you're worried about everybody's disrespect. Had a guy years ago. He was in dad's group with me, dad's Bible study with me. He was always worried about everybody disrespecting him. He was the most disrespectful person. And he would, before insulting you, he would say, no disrespect, but. No disrespect, but you're an idiot. You know? I mean, had, what? No, that's disrespect, I think, right? Or am I missing something? This verse, Romans 12, 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Another translation once again says, outdo one another in showing honor. So keep showing honor and respect. Treat people kindly and with love. Hold them in high esteem, man. Number three today. This is important. One word. We've heard this word all of our lives probably, especially if you've been in church, and that's integrity. It's misused in the world. I've said this before. Let me say it again. Everybody has a public life, a private life, and a secret life. Everybody. Beside the fact that I walk around the house in my boxer sometimes, especially when my wife's not home, you'd, I'd invite you into my private life to, so you could see what I do. I'm not watching stuff that I shouldn't be watching. I'm not on my phone connecting with people I shouldn't be connecting with. I'm not on my phone looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I'm talking to, when Jen's not here, I'm talking to God, talking to the dogs. And sure, I play with my phone a little bit. I got words with friends on there. That's pretty fun. Playing a guy in a, 
in, uh, where does he live? Midland? And he's been kicking my tail. He used to go to this church. But anyway, there's a public life, a private life, and a secret life. Now, there's things about me that you don't, just don't need to know. That, and that's fine. And there's things about you that are none of my business. But I'm going to tell you right now, as believers, we are called, even in, the, even in the secret places, to be above reproach. Above reproach means having integrity. It's how we behave when no one is watching. We're honest with God, we're honest with ourselves, and we care that God is watching us. That's what integrity is. See, this servant could have said, man, I'm going on a trip. He could have gone halfway, dumped off the camels and the gifts somewhere, came back home. Abraham would have never known it unless God told him and said, Dude, man, yo, right? What's up? They didn't, want, they didn't care about the gifts, and they didn't, the girl was like, no, nah, I'm not going. Y'all are tripping, right? He could have lied, but the integrity of his heart took him all the way to their doorstep, and he met the girl, stayed the night with the family, and you read the rest of the story in Genesis 24 and following, and she came home and married Isaac. And because of her obedience to God and Isaac's obedience to God and Eliezer of Damascus' obedience to God and Abraham's obedience to God, we have Jesus, our Savior now, because Jesus came through that line. And everybody has a choice, don't they? I don't know who I'm messing with today. I wouldn't mess with you in case I, just so you know, I wouldn't mess with you unless I loved you. And know that I love you because I'm going to always tell you the truth. You have a public life. You have a private life. You have a secret life. What you do is between you and God, but I'm always going to tell you the truth. Make sure your actions line up with your words. Make sure your actions line up with how you want to represent yourself, not only around others, but how you want to rep represent yourself to God. Are you with me? Make sure. Because there's a lot of chance for mess out there nowadays. I'm not just talking about temptation. That's everywhere. We all get tempted every day to do stuff, to say stuff, to see stuff we shouldn't see, to be around stuff we shouldn't be around. Everybody's temptations are different, yet we've all, we're all being tempted like everyone before us was tempted. It's nothing new, right? But you have the chance to really, really, really walk out your faith when you're alone. Really walk out your faith when you're alone. That's called integrity. And this man of God, I'm going to call him a man of God for the purposes of this story. He went and handled business, did what he was supposed to, and came back with a wife for Isaac. He said, man, and you know how it is with us. Even as believers, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? It's time to get past yourself. It's time to get past yourself and serve. You say, I never learned how to serve. I never learned how to take care of others. You better start now because you are now a believer. Someone say, I'm a believer. Uh-huh. It's not just about you. You've got to look onto other people's burdens and other people's affairs, not being getting in their business and stuff, but if someone needs help, help them. You've got to honor and respect your spouse. You say, what? Yeah, I, did you know I listen to my wife? I do. And I don't, here's the deal. I don't have to explain to my wife every week, yo, I'm the man of this house. Jen knows who's going to take the lead. I'm going to take the lead. I just am. And you don't have to talk about that. I've noticed that the guys that are beating their chests like gorillas saying, I'm the man of this house. They're not the man of nothing. All they are is a gorilla beating their chest. I'm the man. I'm like, well, prove it by loving her. Be the man. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Lead spiritually. It's hard to be the man of the house if you're not leading spiritually. 
Men are like, and hey, your wife's still going to respect you, men. But if you're not leading spiritually, mm, it's, hard to, it's hard to be the head of the home. It is. I've watched it my whole life. I've watched it. I've seen it. I've counseled it. I've, man, I've had seasons where I struggled, and I said, man, no matter what, I'm going through this battle. I'm going to take the spiritual lead in this home. Why? Because my wife is worth it. But beyond that, I want to honor God. I want to have integrity. Even in my heart, when I think about my wife, even when I'm not with her, how I speak about my wife, that's wisdom, that's honor and respect, and that's integrity. That was not part of the message today. I don't know who needs to hear that. But I pray you take that and let it, let it soak into your heart with love, man. Receive the word and let it do something in you. Don't be talking bad about your parents. Now, sometimes you may need to talk to someone because your parents are crazy. Doesn't mean you dishonor them. You need to talk to someone, get it off your chest. You, you go talk to someone, really. You can talk to a pastor. You can talk to a friend, your connect group leader, whatever. Or you say, man, I'm, I'm struggling with my wife or my husband. Well, you got to talk to someone. But did, how many of you know you can talk about the problem and not disrespect people? You can. It's very, very much possible. And, hey, I know everybody's situation in here is less than ideal sometimes. I know that. Okay? I'm not going to kid myself. But God has called you as a believer to do the right thing. Wisdom. Someone say wisdom. Number two, honor and respect. Say honor and respect. And number three, integrity. Mm -hmm. How you handle yourself when no one's around. How you handle yourself. For example, someone drops a $50 bill. What do you do? People are like, praise God, I just got a harvest. I just need to wait till they walk off. <laughs> oh, man, that's the first fruits in the ground. You just saw him drop it. You, you hand... Now, if you're in the middle of a parking lot and go find cash, I'm going to just tell you right now, that cash belongs to everybody in the store. It does. You'd be led by peace. But there are obvious times when people, I've seen people get changed back. They're walking out of the grocery store, and they got an extra 20, and they're all, oh, man, praise God, God's blessing me. That poor cashier's cash drawer is $20 short now. Go back, man. Make it right. Do the right thing. You're, you're the chosen of God. You are the people of God. I know that I'm speaking to the right people this morning. Those online and those in the house, y'all are God's people. So we're going to live like it. We're going to practice our faith. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today, if you would, please. I thank you, Father, because you've, you've heard our prayers today. You've seen and experienced our hearts you know that we want to do right, Father. You've seen the willing attentiveness of this group of people this morning. Both online and in this house, Father God. You've seen how people just want to do the right thing. They want to hear your word. They want to listen. They want to grow. They want to change and be transformed. Father, I thank you for that. And I thank you that your word has fallen on good ground. Now, is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice that would say, I need to accept Jesus and make him my Lord? You've never done that before. Maybe you're on the live stream today, or maybe you're in person. You say, I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I've never done it before. Would you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. We're going to make sure you're right with God. Is there anybody in this house who has never confessed Jesus as their Savior? All right. Everybody has, so that's good. Now you may be saying, I'm a, I'm a believer, but I've struggled. What do I do with that? 1 John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So if you need to tell the Lord that you're sorry for something, go ahead. Right where you are, just whisper to him. Just say, Father, I'm sorry. Tell him he's your father just as he is mine. By Jesus, we're all family. We're sons and daughters. We're part of God's kingdom. Go ahead and tell him you're sorry. Go ahead. Those watching online, too. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was that easy. Just tell him you're sorry. And you're forgiven. Look at that. Amazing. Now, for the benefit of those on the live stream or someone listening to this message later, I want everybody in this house to repeat this prayer with me because this is important. Someone say, Heavenly Father, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me to save me from hell and from sin and from myself. I believe I'm a believer. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for your forgiveness, Father. In Jesus' name.